Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. Well, that's not so convincing, but I'll take it for what it is. Um, well, good morning, and um, different class than last week. This is part two of two, but last week we were just kind of asking questions. And this week we're trying to sort of come up with a, an answer to um, what we were asking last week. And by the way, my name is Brandon Bennett, if I haven't met you. I'm fairly new here at Advent, just graduated from Beeson, and I work with Matt a lot, Matt Schneider. Um, so before we begin, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we um, thank you again for your goodness and your grace, and we thank you that your word tells us that um, you love us, and uh, from beginning to end, it is uh, your story, and how you have created out of love and how you are redeeming out of love. Uh, Father, I pray now that uh, for this so common passage that we take um, for granted, that you would stir our minds to think and to reflect deeply on it. For the glory of your name and in Christ's name, amen. So, um, yeah, so last week we were just asking ourselves various questions for those of you who weren't here. Um, we read the uh, passage, Genesis 1 through 3, um, just asking ourselves questions and reflecting on it. And as I was thinking about it and stressing over how to teach this, I thought there's no way these poor people will sit through an, an hour of me talking through my thoughts. So uh, I thought I would put it down on paper. I thought that may help. If it doesn't, if it's a disaster, just don't tell the dean, okay? It'll be our secret. So, um, hi, sir. Um, oh, he has one. Okay. Um, so, here's what we're going to do. Uh, this is participation. You get participation points. Uh, so, uh, I hope all of you ha have this. And what we're going to do is read this together. Um, and then we'll ask questions um, and just see how it goes. Um, I tell you what, I'll start, and then uh, we want to kind of go around this way. Does that work? Do you all mind participating? Okay. One paragraph at a time. Genesis 1 through 3 is plagued by debate, for the mere mention of Genesis evokes connotations of religion versus science, creationism versus evolutionism, the sacred versus the secular, etc., from the perspective of modern science, broadly speaking, Genesis clear, is clearly an untrustworthy document that should concern us little. In response to this, many Christians find it necessary to defend their faith by upholding a particularly literal account of Genesis, or the more progressive types may put their efforts into accommodating Genesis to contemporary scientific thought. Such arguments have rendered Genesis nearly mute to us, for now that we, however conservative or liberal our approaches, regard it as mere information imparted to us, it is no longer seen as a message addressing us. Perhaps then we might ask ourselves, who is this God mentioned in the very first verse of Genesis? And for that matter, who are Adam and Eve? To ask it more straightforwardly, what does it mean to be human in light of God's self-revelation? 
Sir, do you want to pick up reading the second one? Sure. In stark contrast to the surrounding nations, deities, the God of Israel proclaims that he alone is creator. In Genesis, God portrays himself as totally sovereign, free to create, and unified in his efforts to create. The world does not come to be because of conflict, violence, or sexual politics among the gods. Babylonian, Egyptian, and Greek, cosmological, nor is creation self-produced, modern cosmology. In Genesis, creation emerges sheerly out of God's abounding goodness. Thus, what we see depicted in chapters 1 and 2 causes us to realize that God is love, that he is self-giving, that he is of his own free love, reaches out towards another. In the first yeah. verse, we hear the simple announcement that God is creator, and into the formlessness and void over which the spirit broods, God speaks his word. This is important to remember, for John tells us, chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So here in the beginning, when God creates, it is a unified act involving all three persons of the Trinity in the spirits hovering, and through the divine speech alone, God creates. Through the crea though the creation has been without form, God works on days one through three to give it structure. Though it has been void, God works on days four to six to give it content. Yet it is not the intention of Genesis to simply tell us about the structure and content of the creation which God calls good. Instead, the creation week is going somewhere. It has an end in mind, and that end is the crowning point of creation, the creation of Adam and Eve, which will be followed by blessing and rest. Having just created land animals on day six, God summons himself to a council. He deliberates, saying to himself, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion. Genesis wants to underscore this image-bearing capacity in 1.27. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. God blesses them, gives them his creation as pure gift, and endows them as heirs of this new world. Having received so much, they are dignified beyond measure. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. That they receive such honor demonstrates that they are loved for their own sake. God loves, God's love to them has not sought out something beautiful to merit this love. It has instead created what is altogether beautiful and lovely. In the end, God can declare his work very good. Tim, you want to read the next? So what does it mean that man is an image bearer of God? <laughs> Having received such goodness and love, it surely means that like God, 
he is free to reach out toward the other in love. As God is free to give of himself, so also man may give of himself. But an individual, Adam, has no other from whom he may receive and to whom he may give, which is precisely why we are told it is not good that man should be alone. Out of goodness and love, the Creator goes beyond himself, creates what is good and lovely, and gives. But as mere creature, Adam has no capacity to create, and so God must create the other for Adam. Thus, the self-giving God, who is love, reaches out toward the other, namely Adam, and invests mankind with this capacity as well. No longer an isolated self, but one flesh. Adam has Eve, and Eve has Adam. At last, here at the end of chapter 2, we realize what it is to be human, receiving everything from God mutual sharing and giving with other human beings and together reciprocating this love to God. In this, God and man are truly united together. One person summarizes it well. Would you like for me to continue that? Uh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Humans are created to love God, fellow men, and God's gift of creation. By definition, they are social and vocational beings, relating to others so as to further the other's good through a God-appointed means. In doing this, they surrender their being in all its individualism only to gain it back in, with, and through the being of another. Only by receiving and giving can they realize their humanity. Only thus can they be human beings. It is with all this in mind that we now can understand the two truths in God's time of everything there, including the tree of life. Man can partake, yet there is one exception. In the tree of the knowledge of good, God commands to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It is no mere arbitrary command. It is not simply a random rule that God has dreamt up, like baptism and operating together. These two trees stand as sacraments of a given world. They represent both who God is and who they are. The man and the woman are to receive every good thing from God. In the drama of life between God and man, man is to trust a vital influence of life. But then that ill-fated event occurs. Refusing God's word of promise, grace, and life, Adam and Eve trusted a lie and attempted to be who they were not. More than a simple breaking of a command, the man and woman distrusted God, resulting in utter idolatry for the serpent's deception lay primarily in attacking the very character of God. In promising 
that forbidden fruit would make them like God, the serpent pictured a totally new God, very much unlike the self-giving creator. It is this misrepresentation that makes Adam and Eve forget that they already are like God and request for a self-revised And so in their flight upward, they were reaching toward a God of their own, making a veritable path of self-destruction. What results in this fall from grace is a reversal of the autonomy of us from God's original creation. In opting for the pursuit of self-transcendence, they chose to be gods in their own eyes, gods who ironically are mirror images of themselves. Thus, their flight of fancy was in disharmony with who they were created to be. As a quest for power and control, it was an act against the loving relationship between God and man. And so it comes to this. Adam and Eve and all of us with them no longer trust, no longer receive all they are and have from God. Like Sisyphus, Sisyphus endlessly rolling a stone up a hill, Mankind's sin consists in securing its own identity apart from God. Moreover, not only does mankind distrust God, human beings distrust one another. Both against God and one another, we are individuals who must do whatever it takes to secure and protect our own autonomous individual pursuits. Sin is, therefore, counter-relational. You might easily think of being human as one thing and being Christian as another. In other words, we Christians might regard ourselves as Christians human, as if being a Christian was something additional to our humanity. But might it be the case that to be a Christian is to be more fully human? When the gospel, the good news of all that God is and does for us in Jesus Christ, is presented to sinful humanity, it calls for faith. Posture of trusting God. As different and new as this news may be to us, it is most certainly not out of character for God at all, and it does not call us to be anything other than human. If Genesis shows us anything, it shows us that to be recipients of God's love is, at least partially, what it means to be created in the image of God. But because we are distrusting, sinful human beings, never can be the true. Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. And we who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled with his body and flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blessed and hold his pleasure before you. It is to Jesus Christ alone that we trust for our salvation, with Christ sensitive to Christ. Thank you. We made it. Well, I, I hope, um, you know, if it was tough for you to process as we were reading together, that um, maybe you'll look at that one more time and uh, think through it. Um, just uh, before, you know, I open it up to you guys, just to sort of say again what I have been trying to say. Um, and it's what Calvin says about the tree that we read last time. God intended, therefore, that man, as often as he tasted the fruit of that tree, 
he should remember whence he received his life, in order that he might acknowledge that he lives not by his own power, but by the kindness of God alone, and that life is not, as they commonly speak, an intrinsic good, but proceeds from God. And that may be fancy language to some, I don't know, but I think that's just so very practical and so very down to earth. And as I said as we were leaving last time, I should remember that each and every morning and each and every night as I go to bed. Um, I, Brandon Bennett, do not wake up. I do not go through the day. I don't go to sleep. I don't do that in and of my own strength. I am existing because God has given me life. I am human because he has given it to me. I, I receive every good thing from him. Um, Life is not an intrinsic good. It doesn't exist in me just by itself. It proceeds from God alone. I receive it. We might call it grace. It's God showing his love to me. Um, and Calvin again, I, I, I underline all these points, and I'll just point to the underlining. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it, I, I, we talked last time about how we tend to think it's just sort of a rule. Um, Adam just kind of disobeyed. He, he broke a, some sort of command that God made up. But the point of it was, was that he was not to trust his own understanding. He was not to cast off the yoke of God and to make himself his own judge of good and evil. And if you go further, underlining, cleaving to God alone, in sin, man began to acquire for himself. He wished to be independent. So I just, I guess, sort of why I really wanted to teach this class was reflecting on Genesis 1 through 3 and the picture it gives us uh, of what it means to be human, to be made in God's image. Um, and quite frankly, um, I, I can't think of a more practical topic in recent days. Um, whatever headline in the news you may pick, um, who we are as humans, um, it's an essential question. And for us as Christians, we need to understand and reflect on what Scripture is revealing to us. It shows us who God is, namely that he is love. He didn't have to create out of his own sheer goodness, out of his own love, out of his own freedom, he spoke the world into existence. He gave himself to us, and he gave Adam and Eve nothing but goodness. They had so much dignity. They were to rule uh, the world uh, alongside him, essentially. And yet, they distrusted him. And sin as it was then and as it is now, is, is painting this God that we imagine that is not the God who has given himself to us, who is not love, um, and it's idolatry. Well, before I talk more, I was trying to summarize to kind of show you where I was coming from. Any thoughts on... We're running out of time since uh, 
uh, church went a little late. Um, any thoughts on what we read or on that? Yeah. Particularly Genesis three, and understanding really what has gone wrong with us. Right. And what's gone wrong with the world. So yeah, I agree. It's Thank you. Worthy of study over and over. Right, and just reflecting and reflecting and reflecting. Yeah. Is it possible to there's the first in there, and he said, "He told them not to eat of it." And then when they said, "What did God say?" He said, "We shall not eat of it, nor shall we look." possible they added something to that because he put it in the middle of the garden mm -hmm. and there's sometimes I think we can add something to God's word and it seems unfair and that unfairness it's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's a straw man I mean, it's not who God is and we've added to it it seems unfair and that can undermine our trust that we created that in ourselves Right, we added to the command. I think that's a real possibility. I thought about that, um, and many people have discussed that. Um, honestly, I'm not sure really what to make of that. If I don't, it doesn't say that God said that before Eve said that. Um, she could have added it, and maybe started already slipping, or maybe she was being truthful. But I think, just looking at the overall story, distrust is what is at play, which is what I think we can be certain about. Um, but that's a good question, and I don't know that I have the full answer to give you. Right. So she could already be slipping in her distrust. She's not really taking God at his word. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Does this imply that Adam and Eve 
Adam and Eve had absolutely free will? You know, um, I, it's a complex question. Um, I don't know if I can talk about it in a couple minutes. I will say, um, at least maybe just to say this, uh, what we tend to as Americans, we love our freedom and our independence and um, we love our libertarianism. Um, I think this may go against that a little bit. We're not totally autonomous, self-ruling individuals. And to point back to that quote, I really wanted to stress, if we think by free will, it means I'm a person over here and can do whatever I want, well, I don't think so. I don't think that's what is meant by free will. I asked Paul Gall that question once, and he said, what do you th- we have partial free will. And then that's another discussion. Right, right. Yeah. Something that has, <clears throat> as I reflected on it, something that has helped me is you mentioned uh, about God uh, being, being a being of freedom and love, and that he creates us in freedom and love, and therefore we are beings who uh, love one another. Mm-hmm, exactly. Uh, and therefore, sometimes uh, are free, because if you're not free, how can you love? Right? If it's manipulated, then it's not love. And I thought a lot about the tree, because a lot of people say, well, why would God put that tree there? Doesn't that seem unfair? But if you're a free being, how else are you going to show your love to God? if not by being obedient to him. And how can you show your obedience to him if there isn't a, a place, a, a thing to obey? To express that? Yeah, to express that. So yeah. sooner or later, something had to be there where Adam and Eve were going to have to show that they love God. Uh, and so there's the truth. So um, otherwise, there, there would just have been robots. Right. That's very helpful. I don't think it's it's there to, uh, oh, God had to mess it up. You have to put a tree in there. <laughs> yeah, like a uh, test. Yes, it's more. You, I created you to love me. Uh, how do you show me your love? You show me your love by keeping my commandments, by obeying. And so the tree was implicitly uh, there was a command there not to eat of it. So I've always found that helpful. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That uh, if there were if there were no tree, how could they express their love for God? Yeah. So that obedience, there's trust, and then it gives expression to obedience, which is exactly what we're supposed to do, as it outlines in the New Testament, because we trust in God's grace and Jesus Christ, we're to love Him and to love one another. Summary of the law. What Dr. Padilla was saying, Luther said. The tree was good in itself. Likewise, the command which was added was good. Thus it was for Adam a tree of divine worship on which to show God his obedience by an outward work. But because of the sin which follows, it becomes a tree of curse. When I read that, I thought, so amazing that the Bible in its story starts with a tree the climax of the Bible, the gospel, is on a tree. And then uh, the tree of curse, he became a curse for us on a tree. 
and it now becomes a tree of life. And it ends with a tree, a tree of life. That's right, in the city. In the city. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's almost like he knew how it was all going to work out. <laughs> I know. From the very beginning. Yes, sir. <clears throat> you mentioned about our libertarian culture. You know, so it's, it's when you're young, it's what you want. You want to, you know, no parents. You know, I want to do what I want to do. <clears throat> but when you get older, you're just begging to be able to do what you want to do. I mean, that's what you got with. And it's just, um, no, you don't want the choices. You want to be able to make the choices that are the right choices. It's just funny, you just don't long for that other kind of freedom. Uh, that. Yeah. That, that's so true for people like Victor. <laughs> 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 it's, it's not so true for past. Look what they've done. Victor's so apropos of looking at that because past now has discovered that actually it is the conscious decision that makes things happen. The word creation. And so science, a lot of the scientists are saying that we actually have the creative ability in the universe. Mm -hmm. In other words, like like they said, we as scientists are going to be able to be God. So they're getting older, but they're getting stupider. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's so good. When those decisions go wrong, (laughs) they're begging to be annihilated, to do something different. Right. One answer to that thought is if somebody believes that way, ask that person, where did the rules of physics and chemistry and biochemistry, et cetera, come from? They explore and find the rules, but who made the rules? Hmm. Yeah, and just think about talking about libertarianism. Just look at social media and people talking past each other. Everyone just thinks their their desires are king. I am free to desire what I want to desire, and it's it's whatever. There's no sense of I've been given something. I am a creature, and I I, I just can't think of anything more relevant than Genesis one through three. Well, anything else before you guys go? Thank you for being guinea pigs. <laughs> to yes, ma'am. I just think it's not not necessarily though an either or. I think you can come from a grounding of science and be very um, acknowledge you know where where everything comes from that it that it does come from God and I think you can participate in social media and use it as a dialogue to promote God's word. Just, Absolutely. You know, Right. Very good. I agree more. Actually, by definition, science is truth, religion is truth. Eventually, the two will shake hands. Eventually, that's what we'll Yeah. That's good. All God's truth is truth. All truth is God's truth. Do you want to say something, Kristen, before we go? Yeah. 
Unrest. unrest. Yeah. And so in Jesus Christ, it's like every um, every day with Jesus Christ and in being here at church, it's like a taste, a foretaste of that coming rest again um, when he described just what was in the mind of God, um, mm-hmm. a relationship of love being restored. Hmm. So I appreciate what you had to say. Thank you. And that's really good. Good. Thank you. Well, thanks, guys, for participating. All right, and don't tell the dean about any of our secrets, what we talked about. All right, well, have a wonderful Sunday.